Election College, episode 152, Christmas and the Presidents. Let's throw a political party. Face it, the political scene sucks, but did it always? It's time for Election College, and class is in session. Now, your hosts, Jason Goff and Ben Smith. Ben, I am super pumped about Christmas this year, probably more so than really any other year. Just enjoy the whole process. I think it might be because, well, we both have, well, you have a three-year-old and my boy will be three in a couple of weeks. So, you know, it makes Christmas all that much more enjoyable. Our commander-in-chief, or should I say our commanders-in-chief, uh, throughout the years have loved Christmas. And why don't we talk about it a bit? I think that sounds like a great idea. And you have to remember that Christmas through the ages has taken on different shapes in American society. So, of course, the presidents and the White House Christmas parties and all that kind of stuff are also going to take on all sorts of different shapes and sizes and, and whatnot. But, yeah, lots of cool stories and fun stuff to talk about. And, hey, it's Christmas season. And even if you don't celebrate Christmas, we thought you should know about how the presidents celebrate Christmas. Yeah. So just full disclosure, we will be taking a lot of our information from all over the internet, but one really awesome blog about the history of Christmas traditions is found on the White House Historic Association's website. And the, the White House Historical Association is amazing. They don't probably don't even know we exist, but if you know anyone who works there, uh, do let them know that we really enjoy everything they post. It's it's probably one of my favorite Facebook pages to follow. They have a, a tremendous blog about this very topic. So let's get into it. The first Christmases were pretty subdued. Uh, you know, the family kind of hung out together. Presidential families would decorate their houses, you know, just chill. Watch the bowl game, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> I think I think that was before the NBA was playing games on Christmas. I think probably, yeah. And I don't think the NFL played on Thanksgiving either. So, yeah, it happens, though. Yeah. Uh, so 1800 rolls around. And this is the first real White House Christmas party that is actually thrown. And, uh, of course, President and Mrs. Adams are in office. Or I guess Mr. Adams is in office, his rotundity. And their four-year-old granddaughter, Susanna, is there, and she's living with them in the White House. And they throw a party for her, of course. And uh, the Adams actually invite all the children of anybody who is, you know, the who's who of Washington. Uh, they invite all their children to the party so that Susanna can play with them. And uh, they have a probably a very subdued type of Christmas, but a good one nonetheless. Yeah. Can you imagine what Washington was like in the year 1800? I mean, it's basically dead. It's probably pasture. like, yeah, it's just quiet and dead and not all the hustle and bustle it is now. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I think about that because here it really was the middle of nowhere and all of these people 
move there. And, you know, one fell swoop, bam, you've got yeah. a whole bunch of government, you know, legislators and so on. Nothing compared to the amount of government employees that are there now. But I don't know. It'd be weird to live in that territory and somebody says, hey, guess what? Maryland sold your area. Virginia sold or not sold, but gave up their territory. <laughs> You're now a Washingtonian. Congratulations. And hey, his rotundity wants you to come over to the house. Bring the kids. Uh, this is kind of unrelated, but it kind of, it always makes me laugh whenever I watch a movie that's set like in an old town or something. And, you know, somehow in the movie they'll say like, yeah, this town's only got a population of 100. And like just somebody walking through the town, you know, everybody's walking around in town and you see everybody and you can count like 50 people on the screen. That's like, isn't there anybody at home with the kids or anything? Like the whole town's busy and you claim it's this hundred, hundred person town. Anyway, sorry. I ruined movies for people. That's true. You just ruined uh, <laughs> 1800 Washington for me. <laughs> sorry. Oh man. So next thing you're going to tell are... me he loses the election and has to move out like after only living there for a couple of months. Yeah. I mean, I would never do that. That's you probably should know that from listening to the podcast. So Andrew Jackson, or Andy Jack, as we like to call him, and so do many of you from what we understood, uh, we don't often think of him, I don't think, as like a, a playful kind of guy. I think I, I think of Andrew Jackson as very stern, and while probably a good leader, not somebody you just joke around with and you know grab a beer with or anything, but he throws one of the most elaborate Christmas parties, at least at, at the time, and... Uh, he allows all the children and everything to to take part in this party. It's for them after all. And they have games and they have dancing and they have this big dinner and it ends with this giant snowball fight um, after, after it's all over or at the end of it. And they make the snowballs out of cotton balls and it's a lot of fun. So that just sounds like, you know, seeing Andy Jack rolling around in the, in the cotton balls and in the snow. And uh, <laughs> that just sounds like it'd be a lot of fun to me. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny because every time I see a picture of Andrew Jackson, I'm just like, man, this guy is going to rip your face off or <laughs> you just don't want to be in the room with him. I know the statue in the Capitol of yeah. him is like, this guy is going to, I think I might've had some nightmares <laughs> about Andy Jack coming after me. But apparently he had a soft spot in his heart for kids. Yeah. I wore my Andy Jack ugly Christmas sweater the other day. And somebody said to me, he, he looks terrifying and yet I want to hug you because, you know, the sweater looks so nice and everything. But um, like I'm terrified of you and excited to see you at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. We're getting a lot of awesome comments about the ugly sweaters. And last week there was even a day that was National Ugly Sweater day i had no idea that that day existed but hey a lot of our listeners were able to participate with the election college t-shirts that was awesome we have a really cool well i don't should i give it away ben uh maybe we'll tease it for now yeah just stand by all right (laughs) because there's some ideas that are happening yeah so there wasn't a christmas tree in the white house until 1889 and that was when benjamin harrison decided hey this sounds like a great idea let's 
take a tree. I, I love Jim Gaffigan's thing about Christmas. He's like, let's take everything that should be inside the house and take it outside and everything that should be outside the house and put it inside. So, you know, you take the Christmas lights, put them outside, take the tree, bring it inside. And that's exactly what Benjamin Harrison does in 1889. And they decorate the thing with candles, toys, and uh, it's all for the Harrison grandchildren. And, you know, what's better than having your grandchildren play around a tree with candles on it? (laughs) That's right, yeah. And there's this awesome children's book that gives a little disclaimer that says, hey, kids, do not do this. Do not put candles on your tree because it's a fire hazard. Goes to Benjamin Harrison is going to come down your chimney and leave a lump of coal. How frightening is that, Ben? That's terrifying for sure. I would not play with fire if I knew that uh, President Harrison was going to come down the chimney and get me, for sure. (laughs) Well, uh, it looks like Grover Cleveland, back for his second term, decides, you know what? We have electricity in the White House now here as of 1891. And so they actually put electric lights on the Christmas tree in 1894 uh, for their Christmas party. So that is the first instance of the White House tree having Christmas lights on it. And well, also President Gerber Cleveland, he liked to, to hunt ducks a lot. And all the members of his cabinet got a personally shot bird. So (laughs) President Cleveland went out, shot a bird for each member of his cabinet and gave it to them as their Christmas present. Uh, Who needs a goose when you have a duck? Wow. That's very profound, Ben. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure members of the uh, Cleveland cabinet thought so as well. Yeah. You know, uh, there's a guy who was kind of had that tough guy image, but well, he's pretty much a softy at heart and that of course is Theodore Roosevelt and in 1903 he had 500 children come over for dinner that sounds horrible (laughs) (laughs) I can't imagine but uh yeah he and uh, Mrs. Roosevelt had 500 kids over and they had dinner they danced had some souvenirs and uh ice cream and uh well, they didn't have Christmas trees, Ben. No. Yeah, President Roosevelt was, you know, as we know him, to be a, a huge conservationist. And he's like, if we cut down trees and bring them inside, won't that mean there's less trees outside? Come on, people. Uh, <laughs> but his son loved Christmas trees so much that he was like, I'm going to bring in this little tiny tree and I'm going to put it in my closet Uh, or I guess it was actually the upstairs sewing room, but whatever. And I'm going to have that there because, because I want a tree. So the next administration, the Tafts, they had a tree on the state floor in the blue room. And that was in 1909. And the Wilsons were like, that is an awesome idea. We are going to continue with that tradition. Yeah. It's so funny to think about the fact that there was like only one tree in the White House because we'll get to it here in a minute, but there are like a billion trees in the White House now. So President Calvin Coolidge uh, was actually the first president, or I guess the first chief executive, as this article says, uh, to preside over the National Christmas Tree Lighting Ceremony. And, you know, this 
this is now like a huge, huge thing uh, that's been held annually for about 60 years now. So the National Christmas Tree, which Jason and I got to see when we were in D.C., uh, we were actually there for it getting put up, uh, is there. And, you know, of course, they, they respect and celebrate all faiths and everything with the uh, with the Christmas pageant of peace and the National Christmas Tree. So President Calvin Coolidge is the first guy to say, hey, I'll, I'll be there for that. Yeah. And uh, First Lady Lou Henry Hoover, she loved that idea of having a Christmas tree in the Blue Room. And so that's kind of the thing First Ladies do ever since Mrs. Hoover. And then um, Jackie Kennedy, of course, she was all about styling up the White House really nice. And she began the tradition of selecting a theme for the official White House Christmas tree. And that year, the tree was decorated with toys and birds and angels, as well as characters from the Nutcracker Suite. And uh, that tree has taken on, or I should say the White House Christmas tree, has taken on different meanings throughout the years. And this year, 2016, the Obamas have selected the theme of paying tribute to our nation's service members and the veterans. So all around the White House, there are American flag features, and they are all set to honor the brave men and women who have served in the military, as well as their families. Jason, I was uh, joking around about the amount of trees in the White House, and uh, the record at one point was from the Eisenhower administration, and they had 26 trees filling every floor of the White House. And, well, it's almost been like an unwritten competition since then. Uh, the Clinton administration, they had 36 trees in 1997. And in 2008, the Bush administration had 27 trees. Uh, so... There's been a lot of trees in the White House. Of course, there's the official tree that's always got a theme to it, but uh, now they're all, they all have themes. You know what's going to happen, Ben, by the time we're 70 and 80 years old? Mm-hmm. Uh, because we live in America, Yeah, uh, there's going to be like a thousand trees inside the White House <laughs> before it's all said and done. We'll just start planting them outside of the White House on the lawn. <laughs> Hey, how many Christmas trees do you have up, just out of curiosity? Uh, just one. Just one? We have. We only have one up right now, but I think by the time this podcast is on the air, we will probably have two, and there's at least one other one in the basement that may or may not make it up. So we're kind of like the little, the little White House. You're like the small White House, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so during the holidays, the... White House's state dining room. Uh, they have this big, gigantic gingerbread house, and it's been known to take months to decorate and create, up to five months. And when Bill Clinton was in office, the White House uh, chef actually created a replica of Hillary Clinton's home when she was a child. So uh, they had this giant gingerbread house and made it to look, uh, you know, kind of a callback to her childhood home, which was quite a surprise for her. Yeah, that's really cool. So one little 
addition that was made in 1979 was that they lit a menorah. Prior to 1979, Christmas was the primary winter holiday that was celebrated in the White House, and President Jimmy Carter was the first president to recognize the Jewish holiday of Hanukkah. And he delivered some remarks in Lafayette Park and lit the new national menorah. And that tradition lives on today. And uh, in 1993, President Clinton hosted the first official menorah lighting inside the White House. So in 2001, at the White House Hanukkah party, they um, had lit the national menorah, of course, 22 years before that. But President Bush hosts the first Hanukkah party inside the White House, and they have a 100-year-old menorah on loan from the Jewish Museum in New York City. And they light that and have a, a big bash. Yeah, so with the current administration, with the Obamas, you know, they've got uh, teenage daughters and they are very big into celebrating Christmas pretty much the way a family with teenagers should enjoy it. And that is bolting out of cold Washington, D.C. and go to Hawaii. And that, of course, is where Obama was born and spent much of his childhood. So he uh, takes off. That's yeah. probably what I would do if I were president. <laughs> yeah, if I could if I could just pick wherever I wanted to go for Christmas, I would. Well, uh, we hope whatever your holiday traditions are, that you have a great time doing them. You get to spend time with people you love, uh, no matter how you're celebrating. And um, if you have ever gotten a chance to go to a, one of the White House holiday parties, we would love to hear about that. And if it was exciting or boring or if you got to play with the president's dogs or whatever uh you can of course tweet to us facebook us instagram us whatever you want to do uh we you can find all of us on all of those services at election college yeah and let us know if if a president's ghost would come down your chimney which ghost would you want to have and which ghost would you be absolutely terrified to have coming down <laughs> your chimney i i just like to know. Yeah, just for research purposes or something. Who who would be your most terrified president to come down your chimney, Ben? Um, when you first asked that, John Quincy Adams came to mind. Yeah. <laughs> because I'm like, mm, I feel like you don't have like the personal restraint that some people might. But I think when it when it really really breaks down to it, Andy Jack is still up there. What about you? Yeah. Um, why did you have to ask me? No, <laughs> I was thinking Taft would be kind of a, a difficult one just Ooh, because yeah. he'd be so big. Right. But I think if he could fit down the chimney, uh -huh. he'd probably be one of the jolliest. So he'd probably be my favorite as long as he can fit down uh, the chimney. And then most terrified would be Andy Jack because I have a feeling that his cape would be just lit aflame. <laughs> and just this, I, I don't know, it's almost like an apocalyptic um, scene that is terrifying. And as, I, as it's coming out of my mouth, it's just... Um, <laughs> For sure. Oh, man, that definitely presented an image in my head. So, Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. Have a Merry Christmas. We can't wait to join you again on Tuesday. 
This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.